Hello, and welcome to the Brunch with BBB podcast, featuring your hosts, Louise Belize and Katherine Honeycutt of BBB Serving Eastern North Carolina. guys for joining us on another episode of the Brunch with BBB podcast. As always, we have a special guest with us today, but before we get to that, Louise has our scam of the week. Hey guys, this is Louise. I hope you guys are doing great during this uh, stay-at-home order. And like Catherine said, we're going to go ahead and dive right into the scam of the week. And I know that most of you guys are just desperate to leave your house and go on a nice vacation. I'm picturing Miami right now on the beach. Oh, I, <laughs> my wife and I love Miami. But before we start, you know, planning vacation, we want to make sure that we're taking the right steps in order for us not to become victims to these scams that are going around, right? So first thing, plan ahead. Always go ahead and just write your plans down um, before you actually are like me and just say, you know what, I want to go on vacation. Just forget everything. Uh, second of all, avoid broad internet searches. So don't go on Google and say, you know, best places to 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 vacation or best uh, things to rent, et cetera, et cetera. Be alert of all the travel scams that are going on. And you can always visit our site, bbb.org, for all that. And most importantly, do your homework. You know, get uh, trip details and writing if you're working with an agency, uh, consider, consider travel insurance and always pay with a credit card. This helps you if you are involved in a scam, it helps you, um, you know, uh, dispute that in the future with the credit card company. So, you know, before you start getting in your head, just like I am and picturing Miami on a beach right now in this amazing weather, you know, do a little bit of research and, you know, so you can avoid um, losing money. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thanks for that, Louise. And um, what a perfect segue into our special guest today. We have the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. Lynn, thank you for being with us. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Catherine. I'm happy to be here with you today and appreciate the great work that you all and your organization do every day. Well, thank you so much. Um, we're excited to have you. Um, I'd love if you could just tell us a little bit about um, yourself, your role at um, the organization, and kind of what you do um, and, and what you're doing now during all this craziness. Okay. Well, I um, am president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. We're a, a trade association, so members pay us dues to be a member of the association. And uh, for that, we work every day for restaurants and hotels. We advocate for them over at the General Assembly and in front of other um, policymakers, federal, state, local level. We um, also provide information and educational information for them. Mm -hmm. um, we, we do all kinds of things. I like to say often that we're the concierge for restaurants and hotels. So if there's a law or a policy or a guidance or uh, information that they need, a resource they need to identify with, or sometimes they want to talk with each other. We sort of create a platform for restaurants and hotels to connect. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that across North Carolina, there are about 20,000 restaurants and hotels. So, wow. you know, largely about 18,500 restaurants and about 1,800 uh, lodging establishments. So we work for all of those every single day. And as you might imagine right now in COVID-19 era, they're all struggling quite a bit. So we've been awfully busy lately. Yeah. And you know, that's awesome. I guess that there's so many restaurants because we are good eaters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. 
We, we are. We just love food. But um, obviously during this whole pandemic with the COVID-19 situation, what resources do you have available to business owners during this, you know, important time? That's a great question, Louis. So, um, you know, what we found was restaurants, as you all know, were closed for in-dining service on March 17th because of the pandemic. So, you know, the gov Governor Cooper issued an executive order and they were um, forced with, with closing fairly abruptly. Um, and so during that time, we began to provide guidance to them about closures, about what was allowed, what is allowed, what isn't allowed. We worked very closely with Governor Cooper and his team on um, allowing restaurants to continue to operate with drive-through, carry-out, mm -hmm. and delivery. And um, that was an important role that we played in trying to carve those out as essential services. We also, on the hotel side, uh, work to keep hotels open as essential services. And so the good news is that really hotels across North Carolina were never closed and the governor never closed those. And what we saw is that many of those pivoted and they were able to um, offer, you know, shelter for those who needed to uh, quarantine because of COVID-19 or for relief workers and that kind of thing. So we played a role, you know, in that emergency with emergency management, trying to connect people with facilities okay. that would take in, you know, some of these folks and some of them, pivoted to provide shelter for you know, homeless people or those who could not be in public shelters, congregate housing, we call it. So, you know, we've been doing that kind of thing. More recently, um, you know, now that the initial shock of the crisis is over, and um, I mean, we're still very much in it, don't get me wrong, but you know, we, we, we're sort of in this uh, period right now, we're playing an active role in advocating uh, for restaurants and hotels at the General Assembly and at the federal level on you know, various loan programs, relief efforts, tax credits, those kinds of things that hopefully will help see some of them through. They're, they're struggling financially right now. And so we're really working on the advocacy front. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're working with the Department of Public Health and the governor's office on, you know, what guidance is going to look like as restaurants reopen to in dining, um, you know, patrons. A uh, lot going on and we're, we're busy 24 seven, but you know, I will tell you one thing. I, we take the call of every single member who calls us during this time. And, you know, that's when it's, it's kind of like having an insurance policy. So, you know, like I said, there are about 20,000 hospitality businesses out there. We're serving them all right now. But, you know, when a member calls and they need help, they need guidance, mm -hmm. uh, we stop everything. And we have been on, on call to assist them through all this. Scary that. times. I love that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I'm curious to, you know, you guys have obviously been really supporting your members throughout this time and business owners. Um, what does the landscape kind of look like from your perspective right now? You know, it's kind of up in the air. Some people are making their way towards opening, some are not at all. What are kind of um, the things you're seeing from a business perspective, maybe how the consumer plays into that picture? Like what, what's the lens that you're seeing right now? So, um, Catherine, I think Louise hit it uh, out of the ballpark early on when he said we like to eat, we like food. And so even though we're quarantined, uh, <laughs> we're all getting tired of eating groceries, so to speak, of our own cooking. Um, and so we are really ready to, to get out and enjoy great food in restaurants. I'm dying watching these pictures of, um, you know, chefs <laughs> who are cooking at home and they're putting the pic, they're posting the pictures on social media. Oh my gosh, um, yes. just, I know, it's just killing me. It's killing me. I can't <laughs> wait to get back home. Um, yes. But, you know, they, they are doing a lot of creative, innovative things. And so, you know, consumers have been amazing at supporting restaurants and chefs. Mm -hmm. You probably are aware that um, one of the first things we did was start a, a North Carolina Restaurant Workers Relief Fund to provide um, some, some gap funding for those members of our hospitality family across North Carolina who 
lost their jobs suddenly. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was this period of time when they couldn't get access to unemployment benefits. And, you know, these are people who, who were hourly workers. They've got to put food on their table. They've got to pay rent. They're, you know, terrified of losing their, you know, their, um, their cell phone service. That's their internet connection. Um, you know, so we really stepped up and we raised, we have raised well over a million dollars. I think we're almost at 1.2 million now. And we've been uh, awarding that in the form of grants to hospitality mm -hmm. workers who've been displaced. So that's been a really heartwarming thing. And we've just been, you know, so amazed with um, consumers who've stepped up and they said, gosh, you know, these, these, these restaurant workers have served me. They're always there for me. Mm -hmm. And now this is a time I can give back. So, you know, that's been really heartwarming. Um, yeah. But many of our restaurants, you know, have continued to provide takeout and delivery and they're just doing, you know, they've pivoted, they're doing uh, family meals as opposed to their traditional menus and, you know, some of the, um, the take home family meals just look uh, incredible and, you know, consumers have been great about supporting restaurants through that. But, you know, to your point, it's going to be a long haul um, for us coming through this. There are a lot of restaurants that are hurting, even those that are seem to be doing a brisk business mm -hmm. with takeout and delivery. You know, it's important to keep in mind that that's just a fraction of their, you know, traditional revenue and their, their, their models are built on operating at 100% capacity. So, you know, it's, um, they're going to be struggling for a while. And I think folks just need to be patient and, mm -hmm. and understanding and support them as best we can during this time. Yeah, yeah, great point, great point. Um, I'm curious though, so you mentioned that, you know, lodging, there's not quite as many um, in the database there as restaurants, because we all love to eat. But um, with lodging, I think a huge question, especially as we start broaching this, you know, summer, people want to go on vacation, people want to get out of the house. Um, how have you seen kind of the lodging industry impacted? I think you mentioned some have opened as, you know, to provide shelter for homeless, for the homeless. Um, but how have you seen them being impacted? You know, because we can still order takeout. We can't necessarily, you know, go on vacation right now. So how have those um, businesses fared through all of this? Or how do you see them faring over the next couple months? So our data shows that about eight out of every 10 hotel rooms across North Carolina have been, you know, empty each night uh, through this pandemic. So really they're, they're operating, you know, largely at about 20% capacity. But last weekend when Governor Cooper, um, you know, opened the state for phase one, a phase one reopening, we did begin to see people um, going back to the coast, mm -hmm. um, traveling again, and that's healthy. I mean, we understand that they still have to practice social distancing and be safe, but you know, families can go back to the beaches or to the mountains uh, largely and, you know, can rent vacation getaways. You know, folks are, are tired of being home and they're, they're ready to get out and about. And as long as they can do that safely, we think that's fine. And so we did see some pretty brisk business last weekend. I mean, it's not out of the ballpark, but it, you know, it was good, strong business. And so we expect that to continue as we approach Memorial Day weekend and, you know, mm -hmm. through the summer season. I think there are a lot of families who are gonna feel comfortable at least for a while in, you know, where they can control the travel. So uh, drive destinations as opposed to long haul, they're probably less likely to get on a plane and travel across the country right now, but if they can go in their car and they feel safe, you know, they're much more likely, I think, to travel. And um, mm -hmm. so I think we're gonna see hotels rebound a bit. I think the, the piece that's gonna take a while to come back are those meetings and conventions, sporting events, those kinds of things that used to play such an important role or have traditionally played such an important role in filling hotel rooms. So that's going to be a little bit slower to come back um, because it involves public gatherings, but independent leisure travel, 
that comprises, you know, arguably about 80% of all travel in North Carolina, I think we're going to see that rebound fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, that's great. And you know, um, how we spoke before, like me and my wife are huge foodies and we love to support local, especially on weekends because we get tired of cooking and we're just like, oh, I want to taste some other seasoning. Come on. Yeah, so, when they give you those kits that you can make it at home, I have to be honest, mine never turns out the way it was intended. The, the photo right. that you with it never looks the same, and it doesn't taste nearly as good as when I ate it in the restaurant three months ago. <laughs> right, right. That's so, so, Lynn, how can we how can we support you know locally um, restaurants and lodging? You know. Um, and like, what can consumers do to continue to support these businesses as you know, we go along to the new normal, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, these restaurants, we expect to begin opening for in dining service, you know, sometime around phase phase two, which we think is going to be around May 22nd to May 29th, you know, kind of a, according to the governor, and that'll depend on how things are, are going. But let's assume that we can open restaurants, you know, as early as May 22nd. Um, they're going to be operating at limited capacity. And so, you know, think about tables six feet apart. Uh, mm -hmm. Think about, you know, running at about 50% occupancy, which is probably what we're going to see in North Carolina. Uh, we're seeing that around the country. So, you know, it's going to look and feel differently. We're going to, we're going to see uh, wait staff with masks. We're going to, mm -hmm. you know, see a whole new uh, protocol of the way they operate. And so it's going to seem unfamiliar to us and to those who work in restaurants. And it's going to be different. And one of the things we have done is, and we're working on is a, a North Carolina restaurant promise. And it's really designed around the notion that we pledge to provide the highest levels of public health and sanitation as you come back into our restaurant establishments. But it's noticing, it's, it's uh, notifying patrons that we also expect you to come in and, you know, please don't come to our establishment if you have symptoms of COVID-19. Please be respectful of other people and social distance. Please practice good safety, you know, protocols so that we can all protect each other, other patrons, as well as the employees in our restaurant. So I think we're really going to go forward into this kind of unfamiliar world um, together, but hopefully with a bit of kindness and respect for each other and, um, you know, recognizing that there are plenty of people out there that have underlying health conditions that we need to be mindful about and um, it's going to be different, but I, I do think, you know, practicing kindness is probably going to be the most important thing we do as we try to get back to normal and just appreciate that it's not, it doesn't feel right to any of us. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's not what we know. It's unfamiliar, um, right. but we're going to get through it together and a, a dose of, of good humor and good attitude goes a long way. Amen, Lynn. And I love that. I love the fact that, you know, you touched the topic on kindness and one of the ways to support local is just, you know, to show patience once we go back to this new norm, not to get frustrated with the waiter or the waitress, because this is also new for them. It is. So to our listeners, you know, just like Lynn said, practice kindness and patience. And that's another way where you can support. But let me stop rambling on. This is not church, right? <laughs> but where can uh, consumers get additional information, Lynn? So we have lots of information for folks uh, on our website at NCRLA, that's North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, ncrla.org. Um, and from that main website, they can uh, go off to learn more about specific COVID-19, uh, you know, issues relative to restaurant openings and uh, mm -hmm. hotel openings and protocols and that kind of thing. Uh, but also we're, we're going to be launching soon a, a campaign called Count on Me NC. Um, and that's built around that, that promise, that sense of mutual respect. Um, 
It includes a training module that will, um, that will have restaurant establishments, businesses to take a COVID-19 training class uh, that will be offered online. And at the end of that, um, participating businesses will be able to display the Count on Me NC logo. And um, we'll have a whole list of those businesses that have taken that certification and have kind of stepped up to in, engage in that higher level of uh, cleaning and sanitation and protocols. Yes. Um, and it really is designed again around that whole mutual respect, um, you know, that, that marching forward together kind of concept. And we think that's going to go a long way toward helping to make our guests feel comfortable in our establishments mm -hmm. and also making sure that we're doing everything we can to ensure public health and safety. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, with reopening, it's a hot topic. Everyone wants to know when, where, why, what it means. What what does reopening actually mean? Are we going back to the way things were? Um, and so it's huge. Everybody wants to know. Um, I do have a question about, you know, the restaurants you mentioned, some of them having to operate at you know, 50% uh, occupancy or, or just a limited occupancy standard and stuff. Is there any concern from some of your businesses that they might take a loss in profit of not being able to fully open? Um, you know, a lot of businesses are designed to be fully operational. So if they're not, um, are there any concerns there for them that um, consumers should be aware of so they know you know, I should still continue to order takeout or, you know, should I dine in or maybe just take it back home? Like what, what are you seeing there? Are you seeing any fears around that? So, you know, most restaurants are built uh, you know, to be, to run at pretty full capacity. And so, you know, if, if they're operating at a hundred percent, they make money. And so any night they're not full, they're mm -hmm. probably not making, you know, as much money. They mm -hmm. operate on very thin margins. And so, you know, takeout and delivery have been helpful, but that certainly doesn't pay the bills. Mm -hmm. um, they're losing money while that's operating. We believe that opening dining will obviously just give them one more way they can make money, but mm -hmm. it's at 50%. So even with that model, if they continue carry out, takeout, delivery, um, and they're operating at 50% capacity, they're still losing money. Not maybe as mm -hmm. much money, but mm -hmm. they're losing money. It's also important to note that, you know, soon we're going to be approaching the two month period that they've been closed. And, you know, during that time, they've been accruing debt. I mean, the, the rents due, utility payments are due, their insurance mm -hmm. are due, many of them lease equipment, all that's due. Um, and so they're taking on debt that they've got to emerge from. And that's really hard to pay back that debt mm -hmm. if you're not making money. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to take a while. Um, right. So, you know, I think consumers just need to be mindful of that, that there are going to be a lot of businesses that are struggling out there. There's also going to be, you know, another issue that consumers are going to see as they go back into restaurant establishments. And that is just that, um, you know, there are a few food supply challenges right now. You're, mm. you're seeing that with, you know, meat production processing plants um, closing. And so there's, you know, this is a temporary thing, but uh, that is going to create some challenges for some restaurants. Uh, you know, if you're a wing joint and you can't get wings, you know, you got to pivot. You got to pivot pretty hard. So we're going to see some, you know, creative things around that. But um, I think we're going to see a daily disposable menus in many of these restaurant establishments mm -hmm. that will allow the restaurateur to, you know, change the menu perhaps on a daily basis based on availability of products. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to see disposable disposable menus too because they're clean. You know, they'll they'll throw them away between patrons. Um, and so that will look a little bit different, feel a little bit differently, but, um, you know, it's, it's going to, it definitely is going to be different as they reopen. Restaurants are going to be challenged. Um, they're not going to be making, you know, money for a while. 
uh, and we just don't know when this thing's going to end. Um, you mm -hmm. know, we hope that there's a vaccine and we can get back to what we all, you know, embrace as normal, but um, it's going to take a while. So mm -hmm. I think just patience through this is going to be appreciated. And just the recognition that many restaurants will not make it. They're, we're already hearing mm -hmm. of some who have shuttered and are not going to open. There are others who will open and struggle for a while. And maybe after six months or a year, they'll just, you know, close for good. Um, it's going to be tough for a long time. So, you know, just, just patience and understanding as we get through this. And, um, you know, it's not just restaurants, but I do think that if we look at the numbers, restaurants and hotels have both been hit especially hard. And, uh, you know, we, we appreciate the support that we're getting from policymakers, but, you know, we need all the help we can get right now just to keep our favorite restaurants alive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any, you know, tips or advice for business owners during this time? And as things start to reopen, you know, you already mentioned kind of this food shortage, you know, shortage of certain foods. And then, you know, also there's the big question of cleaning supplies. You know, we as the everyday consumer might not be able to get cleaning supplies. Are businesses able to get those? Will they be clean when they're able to reopen? You know, what are those things that businesses need to think about? Or do you have any advice that you want to pass along to them as they're navigating, you know, this new territory? Well, I think the, uh, the, the most important bit of advice I'm given to restaurant owners that I talk with is to um, embrace and practice, you know, the highest levels of, of protocols for cleaning. Uh, mm -hmm. Restaurants are, I mean, your patrons are expecting that as they come back into your establishments. Uh, they will appreciate you with the hand sanitizer in your, or with the sanitizer in your, as you're wiping down uh, tables repeatedly. They will appreciate a, a sign on their table to say that it has been thoroughly cleaned by you know, Lynn at 10.04 or whatever the time might be, they will appreciate disposable menus where they might not normally appreciate that. They will appreciate that now. They appreciate um, your employees wearing masks. It's a small thing, but it makes a big difference. It demonstrates that you are concerned about your guest. Um, and, and so we are also encouraging folks to assign two or three of their team members just to those safety uh, sanitation protocols. So normally, you know, in a restaurant, you'd have front of the house and back of the house. We now think it's equally as important to have kind of a middle of the house, that cleaning uh, crew that is just in charge of wiping down handles and doorknobs and making sure that there is ample, that the uh, sanitizer is clean and that there's ample soap in the, you know, where you wash hands and um, just making sure that we're doing all those kinds of protocols in a very visible sort of way. Um, consumer confidence for a while is going to be a, a real concern. Yeah. And I think those restaurants and establishments, not just restaurants, but any establishment that embraces those practices mm -hmm. uh, enthusiastically will fare better through this. I've seen some surveys that show that um, as many as 65% of uh, Americans have indicated that they will not go back to a business that in which they do not feel safe, if they mm -hmm. don't feel that protocols are being followed. And you see some of the pictures from around the country about establishments that have opened and there are big parties on the deck and, you know, large masses of people. I think there are a lot of folks who are going to be spooked by that and they're not coming back. So, um, you know, just, I think we just need to be mindful of that as we reopen and, um, you know, maybe we'll become more comfortable with this as we go on. But to start, I think it's really important that we, um, you know, demonstrate our commitment to, to safety. I appreciate, I've been to pick up food a few times uh, during this this pandemic and I really appreciate uh, a restaurant owner or manager who tells me where to stand and ask the person next to me to back up a little bit. I, I respect that. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And um, I think if we appreciate that and, and respect that and 
um, you know, restaurateurs who were willing to, to take that authority um, and, to, and to enforce, which is a new role for them. You know, they're not used to doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But those that do, I think, will fare better through this. So that, that's my, my one bit of advice is just, you know, clean, yeah. wash, and respect others. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and on the flip side of that, we've kind of already touched on it. Um, but tips for consumers, you know, beyond, you know, be kind, be patient, any words of wisdom that you want to impart on, you know, the consumers. So wear a mask yourself, wash your hands, wait in a distant uh, sort of way. Um, you know, be respectful of those things. We're hearing that from, you know, public health officials, but it really is true. I, I think you know, as we're standing in line at restaurants to get a table, you know, being cognizant of that six foot distancing, you know, not, not, not uh, you know, being respectful of other people's space, I think is important. And again, just kindness, courtesy, respect for one another and for, you know, business owners and operators um, will go a long way. And for our employees, this is, a, this is a whole new, you know, they're going to be practicing a whole new protocol themselves. Um, they'll deliver food to your table and then they can't really go back to the, another table. You know, you'll have to allow them to go back, wash their hands before they come and serve another table. You know, th small things like that are gonna feel a little bit different. They, they can't walk around and um, interact from table to table in the way they used to. There'll be cleaning protocols between tables. So, you know, it's gonna be different, but um, I think as long as consumers know to expect that and they are patient with us, um, we'll get through this together. Amazing, amazing. Well, you've been a wealth of knowledge uh, do you have any final thoughts, Lynn? Well, I, if folks want to learn more about our Count in C, uh, mm -hmm. Count on Me and C uh, program, um, they will be able to learn more about that on our website, countonmeandc.com. Um, okay. That website will be live um, by the end of the week. And uh, so we encourage folks to take a look at that. It will talk both about uh, the commitment that businesses are making to be a part of the campaign and also what you as a consumer can expect when you walk into an establishment that displays that logo. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Lynn. We've really appreciated okay. it. And I know that our listeners will as well. Um, and we'll include the link to the website in the description of the podcast. So if you'd like to learn more about their resources available or that Count On Me NC initiative, be sure to check that out there. Um, but beyond that, if you have other questions, if you have questions about BBB and the resources we have available to not only businesses, but consumers at this time, feel free to visit BBB.org and follow us on social at BBB Eastern NC. Um, with that, that is a wrap of this episode. Again, thank you so much, Lynn and Louise. This was so fun. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah.